You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Today, we're talking with Trudy CEO, Molly Owens, about the new seven love styles assessment. It's so exciting to have Molly with us, not only because, yay, she's the founder and CEO of Truity, but because they've been doing such awesome work out there and they're busy. They've been featured on the Today Show, CNBC, HuffPost, Chicago Tribune, The Street Business Insider, you name it. They have been all over the world sharing their research on introverting and extroverting out there in the world and the hustle and bustle and how we're doing as we go back to work and come home. So make sure you spend some time just going to Truity and check out all they're doing. And I love that not only does their team work with these assessments, but they they put them on too. They do the work with us. And I think that that's the fair way to, to bring things to people is to say, hey, I am not perfect. I'm doing this work with you. And I just love Molly and her team as they bring it. You guys know we are systematically kind of spiraling over some of the other work we've done and we're building upon it. And that's what you're doing too with all your learning here. But Molly and I are so excited to share this episode because a lot of you were part of this actual research. I don't know if you remember this, but when I sent you over to Truity to do your Enneagram tests over there, it was really fun. And of course, we said, make sure you know yourself more than any test, but but these tests are really helpful. And, and she had Bee Chestnut help her when she was first learning about the Enneagram to really dive deep herself. And so you guys took her test, and then some of you took a test afterwards to tell us more about who you are as a person and your love styles. But we've all heard of the way Dr. Chapman describes the five love languages, or most of us have. And and. Actually, however, as she totaled up these 500,000 volunteers, so thank you, huge amount of volunteers, just their time to do these assessment questions, she realized there are seven distinct ways of showing love. And so what's fun is we're going to talk Enneagram a little bit within this, but we're really going to give you a sense for what are these seven styles. And then for those of you who want to nerd out with us a little bit, we're going to do a little bit of that too, because we have to, right? Like this is the fun part too, is knowing that what we're putting out there is good and valuable and wasn't just anecdotal. But actually, there were people who were involved in doing something quality so that you know that as you're listening, that these results are statistically significant, that they do matter and that they are worth a conversation with your spouse or partner. So I want to let you know that we'll have in the show notes at the end also. So if you want your full report, we also have a buy one, get one code at the end today. So make sure that as you're listening, you can take the free test. But if you want the full report, we have a buy one, get one code for you. So that'll be fun too. Otherwise in news, 
You guys know we have always loved our media chat too. And I recently did the notebook typing episode. I hope you guys had fun with that. And in Kanto. And of course, you know, we're going through our deep dives. And it's so fun that we have Molly on this week. She's the four. And we also have our four deep dive episode coming out this Wednesday. But don't forget also that we have the deep dive guides for each one of you, including tips for spouses, very specific tips for yourself, for your spouse. If you're working with a coach, we even give tips for a coach. We also give relaxation tips. We give tips for each type in every season of marriage. And we also have our own levels of development. So we have tips for a four this week in levels of health, what they look like in levels of moderate health and moderate stress and dysfunction, and then what they look like in in terms of dysfunction. Because as you guys know, sometimes we think we're healthier than we are. And when we see it there, oh, wow, look at what everybody said when they were not in the healthiest states. It helps us to be able to say, oh, I want to prevent that from happening too, or I can see that happening because no one's perfect all the time. So check out our deep dives. I'll leave them in the show notes also. And then lastly, who else is excited for Lord of the Rings starting on September 2nd? I don't know if you guys saw that Super Bowl commercial. I could hear a pin drop right now. There's not that many people excited, but guaranteed later, you guys will probably at least some of you be excited. And I know there are some who are with me because some of you are like, yes, I found you because of Lord of the Rings or Jane Austen or literary loves. So we always talk our literary loves, but I'm going to save that for a different episode today because I really just want to dig into assessment and us figuring out what are your best love styles so that you and your partner can really start this conversation and that you can even, even if you're not with somebody, you can start learning to reuptake in these ways yourself. Because obviously if you're replenished, you are going to feel so much better and I believe in you. So let's get started with Molly. So happy to have you today, Molly. Thank you so much for joining us again for the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. Thanks for having me, Krista. I'm so excited to talk with you about this. Me too. We just finished talking about love languages, except we were coming at them from the old lens. So I'm so excited to hear from you today about our new love languages we can learn about. But first, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and Truity? Absolutely. So my name is Molly Owens, and I'm the CEO and founder of Truity. Um, And I basically started Truity because I wanted people to be able to take accurate personality assessments on their own time online. So when I started the company, there really wasn't a way to take a, a assessment that you could rely on that you knew was going to be accurate and correct without the participation of a psychologist or a counselor and, you know, quite a bit of money, the fees were very high. So what I wanted to do was bring that experience online, use modern technology so that you could take a personality test to understand more about yourself or figure out what career you should be in or understand more about your relationships. And you could do that on your own terms online. Wow. That is such a caring, dedicated way to start a business. It is just, I mean, that's everything to starting a business is what are you passionate about, which I know you have your master's in clinical psychology, as well as like you have a heart for giving. So that is true. The old psychological batteries I used to do with a literal briefcase were upwards of a thousand dollars. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, it's great. And those tests are wonderful and they provide wonderful insights and, you know, in clinical settings, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people that just want that self insight, and especially lately when it's really becoming quite a bit more normal to look inside yourself and figure out who you really are, mm-hmm. people really just need kind of a lighter touch and something that's more self-service and easier to do. 
Wow. And that is super impressive too, that you know that, and, and you're bringing us the best of your personality type as a four. I know we've had you on past episodes where we've talked about that. So we get that depth from you, but I love how you're meeting us where we're at too. You're like, some people are really light and they don't want to go super deep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we try to go as deep as you want to. Our reports have a ton of information, but it's all, you know, sort of jargon free and easy to approach. So you can take from them what you need. And as a four, it is really important for me, that sort of authenticity, that being who you are. So the fact that we're helping people to understand what that is, is very meaningful to me. Hmm. Yeah, that really is meaningful. And I, I do like how when we're ready, the next level is there. And I like how you can even do an account with Truity because I go back sometimes to the old tests I've taken at Truity and you have all my tests scored and I can go anytime I want and look at the deeper reports when I order those. So I love that you have the levels. Absolutely. Yeah. We do have people that come back every couple of years and retake a test just to kind of check in and see if, you know, if something's changed in their life, if that has impacted how their results look and they do shift a little bit. So it's a great way to kind of monitor yourself over time. Yes. And you have not only the new test we're talking about today, Enneagram, MBTI, and do you have any others there as well? We have the type finder, so we don't have the official Ooh. MBTI. The type finders right. are sort of our own take on those 16 personalities. Mm-hmm. We also have a selection of career assessments. So that's really for people who are not sure what to direction to take in their career. Maybe they're dissatisfied with where they are now, or they're in school and are not sure what's going to be right for them. So we mm-hmm. have a few options there as well. Oh, that's fun. I like that. And I liked how you recently had the travel. We were all having fun with on my Instagram page. You had us figuring out our travel types, right? Yeah, that was a lot of fun for me. I'm a traveler, obviously a frustrated traveler in the past couple of years, but it's nice to fantasize. So yeah, that was great. We based that on the big five personality traits, which is kind of the gold standard in research settings for assessing personality. So we looked at the three traits that are most important when you're talking about how you travel. And we use that to kind of develop these archetypes. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, it really was. My family had a blast with that. We're going to San Francisco and we got told you're supposed to go there. <laughs> so we were Oh, that's great. Well, perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. So, but let's talk love languages because I could literally pick your brain all day about these other ones. Let's focus in on why you felt like it was the right timing to do a deeper dive on love languages and tell us a little bit about what you did. Yeah, absolutely. So we do try to follow trends and kind of see what people are talking about. And the Enneagram was sort of taking up all the conversation for a couple of years then there. And then we started to notice that love languages was coming out a little bit more. And, you know, sometimes it was a little bit more of a joke, like cronuts are my love language (laughs) or (laughs) watching Ozark is my love language. Um, Cute. But it was definitely becoming more part of the kind of common conversation. And we started to see that people are using it in their online dating profiles. So this was something that we really needed to attack. Um, really started to start to see what we could bring to the conversation and what we might be able to add. And there weren't a ton of assessments. Um, Dr. Gary Chapman, who developed the original five love languages, does have an online quiz, but there weren't a lot of really kind of robust assessments that we could find. So we really thought we could contribute there. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. And that one is getting dated because I'm aware that he did this even back when I started my practice 20 years ago, I think it was already out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he published his book in 1992, which means that he was developing this theory throughout the eighties. He really developed it as he was working with married couples throughout the eighties and what he observed with them. 
So it is quite an old theory at this point. I hate to say that because I grew up in the 80s. So that makes me <laughs> I know, I really hate old. I'm like, no, it's so modern. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking back about, you know, the sort of expectations and the mores we had around male-female relationships specifically at that time, I'm thinking, you know, this is a very different world to be realistic. So when I started looking at his theory and reading through his book, especially I was really struggling with a lot of the gender roles that he just had as a foundation of yeah. his theory and just sort of an assumption really. Mm -hmm. And my thought was, you know, this was all based on these assumptions about how men and women are that we really don't have anymore. And there's just seems to be a lot of room to look at this again and look at it with fresh eyes and see what relationships look like in 2022 today. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that taking that pulled back view first, where you guys assessed love languages are coming back out in conversations more. That's neat that you did that because here I'm a podcaster just saying, Oh, I'm going to do love languages. And I don't always realize where those little ideas are coming from. And you could take that meta narrative of this is a popular topic. It is important, but like many very wise authors and researchers are doing, you're taking the cultural lens look now too, and saying we have changed quite a bit as uh, everyone has, when you look at the shows and the, the media that we're, we're interested in, and even some of the preferences for just how we want to work on relationships. It's, it's really changed a lot, hasn't it? It has, it has. And we're fortunate because we do have so many visitors on our website that are willing to share with us. So when we look at a theory, we have so much data that we can pull from and people are so willing to kind of answer questions for us or fill out surveys for us. And it really gives us that ability to look at it very scientifically with large data sets. Mm, I was wondering about that because I really love that you have willing volunteers and that's just such a beautifully large sample number said in a very nerdy tone. I realized that <laughs> not many people that get that excited about research and computers, but my audience is like so weirded out by me lately because I keep talking about this. Um, but I hope you're interested in it too. And, and I hope our listeners are now interested too. I think they are. Tell us how the 500,000 people really were contacted. Did they come to Truity? They did. These are all people that were taking tests on our website. So mostly the Enneagram test is where we did our survey mm -hmm. research. And what we did is just make our survey as kind of an optional add-on to the Enneagram. So we were able to collect a lot of data about what people were willing to share with us and also connect that with some Enneagram stuff, which was really interesting. So we came up with a couple different ways to survey people about love languages. The mm -hmm. first way was brainstorming little acts that people might use to show love to their partner and asking people whether that would kind of land for them or what would, what would be meaningful to you? Yes or no. If your partner brought you a cup of coffee, would that make you feel loved? And the mm -hmm. other method we used was just an open-ended survey question. So tell us about a time when somebody made you feel really loved, you know, go back in those mm -hmm. memory banks and think about the time that really made an impact on you. And what was that about? So we analyzed that kind of open text to common words and common themes. And that's where we really discovered that the original five love languages was missing kind of two huge areas <laughs> that were really important to people today. Oh my goodness. This is so cool that you are doing this because we wouldn't have known. I mean, we always say when we do surveys that are much smaller, like 
Hey, make sure you write in, like you said, if there's something else, but it really never lands because the sample size is a lot smaller. So it's very meaningful that because you had this two year heightened time of people taking the Enneagram that you said, let's get some research. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important if you're trying to kind of question a theory, like we were to let people tell you with just, you know, open expectations. And as opposed to giving them like a multiple choice question where you're putting your ideas on that participant to just let them tell you. And that's where we really figured out that something was missing. So it was great. Oh, I love that. It's very creative and it's a beautiful way of methodology. So thank you so much. And then just let's geek out for like one more minute. (laughs) Okay, perfect. How do you tell us about, could you tell us a little bit about the methodology and, and what kind of goes into that a little bit more in depth? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, it started with survey research and we ran that in several phases on our Enneagram test. So we could just ask a lot of questions without overloading any one given volunteer. Um, So we collected just a ton of data about what people are saying, a ton of kind of yes or no's on those little, you know, if somebody brought you a gift would that kind of make you feel loved. So we really had a good idea of which sort of individual actions would resonate with a large part of the population versus which resonated with just a few people. Mm. And then we started to look statistically, and I won't geek out too hard, but there's a (laughs) statistical method that we use that basically clusters people's responses. So what it tells us is if somebody says, I love to receive a hug from my partner, they're also likely to say, I love to receive a kiss from my partner. Just very simply. And that's a very straightforward example. But when it gets a bit more complex, it allows you to cluster together behaviors that you maybe wouldn't have known belong together. And that's how we came up with this new seven love languages. We basically found seven clusters of behavior that you can use to categorize almost anything that you want from your partner to make you feel loved. Okay. So those are what came as a result. And I actually just really love how you said, I didn't do it as a, let me tell you, and then you have to fit into my rubric. You were open-ended and then it evolved into these seven. And that's actually pretty unusual, even for people who are reevaluating nowadays. And I love what I'm seeing, but it's neat for me to hear that you were this creative. So what did people give us? What did they tell us they liked? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the top two love, the top two new love styles is what we're calling them to make okay. sure that we're clear about the fact that this is a bit new, a bit updated. So mm-hmm. the top two love styles that were the most popular were ones that really were not addressed in the original five love languages. And those we're calling mm-hmm. emotional and intellectual. Um, emotional is really all about empathy. So if you are having a hard time, if you're going through difficult emotions, is your partner there for you? Are they willing to sit with you through that? Are they willing to support you? intellectual is about that cerebral connection. And it's, I would say the buzzword there is respect. So does your partner listen to your ideas? Do they listen to your values? And, you know, maybe they don't agree with your values, but they understand it's important to you. Do they hear out your opinions and do they kind of meet you where you are on an intellectual level? Oh, wow. That is so important. And I did score quite high on that. I believe that was my second one. Mm -hmm. So that's very nice that we can remind ourselves that this counts, right? Yes. Yes. And most people who do take the assessment have either intellectual or emotional in their top one or two. So those are in some ways universal, although not totally universal because not everyone wants that, but um, they are really pretty core, I think, to what most of us want from relationships. 
Wow. And yes, emotional was three for me. It went body thinking and emotional. And I was like mm. interested in the fact that it was the three centers of intelligence for Enneagram. Um, yes. So I was going to ask you if there was any <laughs> Enneagram trends you want to share. And then we we'll see if we have time to go through each of them. I would love it if we do. We'll see if you have time for that. But um, but do you think there were any Enneagram trends since you kind of paired this together a bit? Yeah. So we haven't done a full scale statistical analysis on that yet. That's something that we're planning now that we have our sort of official full love languages assessment launched. We'll definitely come back and do a little bit more linking up. But what we did is when we were developing the assessment, because we did expect different Enneagram types to be so different and what they wanted from love, we Mm -hmm. looked at each type separately just to make sure we were covering all the bases. So we know, obviously, fours are going to be very high on the emotional the emotional love style. And we did see that with our survey data, you know, when we did that kind of text analysis on force responses, there was a lot of support, a lot of caring, a lot of empathy, a lot of kind of mirroring of emotions. Those words popped up a lot for force, for instance. Oh, that's really cool. So you were able to just say, you know, we don't want to leave anybody out here as we're developing this. And we know that there's a great need for emotional connection here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And do you feel like now that you've kind of taken this pulled back look, do you feel like couples are getting more feedback as to how they can grow? Because I know your heart is for that, that people will discover how to really love their partners in the best way. And I was wondering, it's so early, it's just released, but have you had any feedback yet about this or experienced it yourself or anyone on your team yet? So I think the biggest challenge with the original five love languages was that it was leaving out these big parts of what we really need. So what we're hoping to bring here is something that more accurately reflects what people do need from relationships. So instead of trying to shoehorn yourself into sort of a theory that maybe doesn't really include what you actually most need from a relationship, this should give just a lot more space to find yourself within the theory. Mm-hmm. We have sort of tested it out with our team. <laughs> so, <laughs> our, our, our guinea pigs on our team have used it. And I think the feedback I've heard is that it really does kind of reflect what they want from relationships. And that when they took the original five love languages test, something seemed to be missing. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that a lot of people also say that that original test is missing something that might not even be quantifiable, but it's just a little bit of a need for space. Mm. And I think that that's been the, probably the biggest one when people are hurting or just need some time to repair. Sometimes they're like, you're overwhelming me and I need a bit of space. And it's hard to really get that onto, to paper, but it might even be that that person might score high on intellectual or does that make sense? That would be my hunch as well. I did see a bit of that in the responses that Mm. people wanted some, there was a little bit of that need for distance. Mm. There wasn't enough to kind of make it its own love language, but we did see that it correlated with the sort of other intellectual sort of activities and aspects. So I would say if you are sort of that more cerebral type person who likes to connect on an intellectual level, it's more likely that you also, part of that will be needing to step back and process when there's conflict, especially. 
Yes. And I really want listeners to know that they have permission to be in a space where we've got five. Now we've got seven. So we're giving you more options, but you're still nuanced. And so these are guides for you. And now this is a more specific and detailed guide, which makes me very happy because I plan on using it. Um, I also wanted to say, I noticed in your deeper dive where you can order the report that now I got a chance to learn about the ways that I'm giving out love to my partner. That was really cool too. Yeah. That's the other part that we felt was not missing because Dr. Chapman did discuss it, but it wasn't explicitly assessed within his system. So we felt it was really important to check in not only on what you want, but also what are your sort of go-to behaviors and what you offer your partner, just to give you a chance to then check in with your partner and see, is this working? Is this landing? Because so much of that can be automatic based on our own programming. And really, if you're going to make anything useful out of these love styles, it's going to be to tune into your partner and be a better partner to them and their individual needs. So we really wanted to give the user an opportunity to do that self-reflection on what what they're putting out. Mm, That's awesome. I'm really glad that you're giving people that chance because they need to be able to, it needs to land and it needs to be somewhat concrete. Like you said, there are depths, but it's, it's, Where we can get lost with the Enneagram is it's so deep and complex that sometimes we can miss the forest for the trees or vice Mm. versa. All right. So I have a question about male and female. I know that really in some, some of my favorite people, like right now, Sheila Ray Gregoire, she is just kind of taking that look at some of the books from the eighties and the nineties that were trying to help. And maybe were doing the very best at that time that they could to bring people healthy intimacy, but, but they were missing a lot of needs emotionally for men and, um, kind of stamping that only men would need respect and only women would need emotions and, and just all that. And I can hear in the undertones of what you're saying that you're trying to avoid that. But I guess my question is, uh, and some of us are classical and, and enjoy the, the standard roles and traditional, um, ones, twos, and sixes can be even very traditional, but, but then again, that's not all ones, twos, and sixes. So (laughs) I'm just wondering if you found any norms for males and females with that in mind that not everyone is the same. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I want to pull out one point that you made that I think is really important is that the idea that the sort of cerebral domain was male and that kind of emotional domain was female, I think really pervaded the original five love languages. And it may be why that wasn't really explicitly talked about because men expected to have the intellectual connection with other men and women expected to have that emotional connection with other women. So they weren't even bringing those needs to a male female relationship. So it may be completely valid that that wasn't included in the original five love languages because maybe at the time, nobody was bringing that to their marriage their romantic partnership. So I think that's a really interesting point, especially when you consider how far we've come and how much more we're expecting from our relationships. I think the average male, female couple is expecting to get those needs met from their opposite sex partner. It's no longer, you know, he's a man, so he can't empathize with my emotions. That's clearly a very outdated point of view. Even if you do subscribe to some traditional ideas about gender roles, we're still expecting a little bit more emotional competency. And I think women are expected to be met on an intellectual level by their partners as well. Yes. I love that. And it, I see it happening all the time. I just experienced it last night in a session and, you know, 
it's, we're asking for that from our men and they're showing up Mm -hmm. and, and that's a beautiful thing. And they're being invited into this sacred space of getting to process. So there's not this storm cloud always hanging overhead. So it is a beautiful process. And I love that, that you're noticing that too. Oh my goodness. What a blessing. And then also with that said, um, did you see we still noticed that men tended towards anything. And again, being Mm. very general or women. Yeah. Yeah. We noticed some trends, but honestly, I thought there would be a huge difference in which love languages men and women preferred. And Mm -hmm. there really wasn't in our initial analysis. We'll definitely come back to this now that we have the full assessment online and we're gathering data, but I really expected a big rift, especially with our users that grew up more in the eighties and the nineties, and I didn't see it in the data. So we'll, I'll break it down more by age group and maybe I can come back and talk about that when yeah. we've done that. But so far there wasn't as big of a gap as I thought. And it could be because our user bases attend does tend to be younger. So they may have grown up with those expectations. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And so we're at now you're adding in these layers to see you're going to get a, a larger sample and, mm-hmm. and we'll find out. So we'll have to have you yeah. back to later to say, what happened? Like, did you find yeah. any more trends for us? <laughs> Absolutely. But. <laughs> but I think the important point now is that when we do look at kind of just our larger user base, where we're not kind of necessarily looking at a particular era and the expectations of a particular era, men and women really do want the same things. There's not a big gulf in what we want from a relationship. We're not from Mars and Venus. We're all humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all want that emotional and an intellectual connection. Oh, I love that. And I love just that. That's what I think Enneagram or any of these tests do at their best. I was recently reading Brene Brown and she was talking about how we cannot overly sort ourselves out of relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important that those of us who we have this beautiful platform, but we also have to be mindful that we don't overly sort. And I'm really thankful for you inviting everyone into the space of, Hey, However you like to receive emotional intimacy, the most important piece of that or, or happiness in your relationship, the most important piece of that is going to be knowing it. So I love that. And I love that as a four, you can both go to the depths and give us some clear delineations. So do you think that before we end that you could tell us a little bit, even just a sentence or two about the seven types? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll tell you how they relate to the original five, because I know a lot of your users or your listeners will be familiar with those original five. And we do have some of the new love styles overlap quite a bit. So the first love style that does relate is called appreciation. And that's really close to words of affirmation. So what appreciation describes is saying, thank you, saying good job, um, and any sort of kind of compliment that goes to who a person is or what they've accomplished. We also have the physical love languages, which is very close to the physical touch. Again, just hugging, kissing, and any sort of intimacy is under that umbrella. So then we have the receiving gifts love language in the original five. We expanded that quite a bit because we found that along with gifts, there's just a whole world of financial support and giving of resources that's important to people. So not just getting a present, but also having someone who will step in and pay a bill if you're short that month or you know, put gas in your car. If I loved that. I was like, I'm self-preserving subtype. So I was marking all those. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Just it wasn't a really popular love language, but for the people who wanted it, they were very (laughs) consistent about it. (laughs) 
I was also a mood when I did it. So I was just like, in a, I got to redo it. Let's put it that way. But it was actually super close despite that. And, and it brought out so much that I needed to know. Um, I don't want to take us too far away, but I just want to say this to our listeners. Uh, it, what you're describing here, it did bring me closer and, and deeper into really what I was seeking. So anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, let's see, moving on the acts of service love language is the, the, the one where the, the last one, sorry, the acts of service mm-hmm. love language is the last one where it really closely relates to, to one of our new love styles. We mm-hmm. call that practical. This is something where we did shift a lot. It's kind of based on the times. So acts of service originally was very gendered because there were very gendered expectations about what you were just supposed to do and what might count as going above and beyond. So in Dr. Chapman's original description, um, when he was discussing housework, it was always assumed that it was the woman's job. Um, And if the man sort of volunteered to vacuum once a week, (laughs) that was an expression of love. You know, I live in the Bay Area, California, so we're pretty liberal and there aren't that many women who would see occasional vacuuming as an expression of love. I think at this point we see that as, you know, you're a functioning adult and you just need to do it. Right. And I even had my premarital pastor say that to us. And he was very old and traditional when he married us in 2001. So this is now 21 years ago. And even then we were cracking up Mm -hmm. because he's like, Wes, you may need to help her load the dishwasher. Yeah. So it's really about resetting expectations and the idea that, you know, a man doing a little bit of housework here and there is not going to make any woman in 2022 swoon. It's just not, that's just not, you know, women are expected to contribute financially for the, in most relationships. So, you know, the idea that men might contribute to housework is not, (laughs) it's not blowing anyone away. So (laughs) exactly. <laughs> so Thank what you. we did there was basically sort of reset the bar to the practical love style is more about going above and beyond. So the assumption is that you each have your own chores that you're expected to do, but if you're showing the practical love language, you're picking up your partner's chores because you know they're overwhelmed or you're vol- volunteering to do the really horrible thing that nobody wants to do, but you're taking it on because you want your partner to know that you're there for them. Um, you're mm-hmm. running errands that really aren't your errands to run, but you know that it'll make a difference to them. Oh, I love that. And that does get more specific and just more respectful of everybody. Like, Hey, we're going to have yes. tours that we each are fine with. And I like how you're saying these are going above and beyond too. And, yes. and you're saying even into the errands and it's just not as, ah, uh, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is that base level of expectation and you're, it's not a love language to just chip into your household and do what's expected of you. It becomes a sort of an expression of love when you're doing something that's out of the ordinary, when you're Mm -hmm. cooking your partner's favorite meal, for instance, Mm -hmm. maybe you usually just sort of throw something on the table. You've got 15 minutes, you, you put out what you can, but one night you take, take the time and you build a really elaborate meal based on their tastes. That's the practical love language. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Those are the top four that really pretty closely correlate. And then there's quality time in the original system. And that's the one that really, it mashed up a lot of ideas that we found it just needed to be expanded out for the modern era. So quality time originally was about um, not just spending time with your partner and doing activities with them, but also paying attention to them. And we found that that whole universe was just a lot more important. So 
we have activity, which we made more specifically about hobbies and interests and spending time doing things that both you and your partner enjoy. That could be joining a club or learning more about how to do a skill just for fun. It could be going out to a special place that you both enjoy. It could be traveling and that's all under that umbrella. And then the other two ideas that were sort of originally mashed into quality time are the intellectual and emotional love styles. And that's what we talked about before. The intellectual is more that mm. head kind connection and the emotional is more that heart connection, especially through those difficult emotions. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's really neat. So those were splicing up a little bit of the quality time. Yes. I think originally Dr. Chapman realized that that kind of intellectual and emotional connection did come into play, but maybe at that time, it wasn't really important enough or central enough to make it its own love language. So it was all kind of muddled up into quality time. Wow. Okay. That is so helpful. Yeah. Because we really do get nuanced there. Mm -hmm. So it's nice that you guys were able to splice that up. It, it does come across as murky when I'm doing sessions, people don't know what I mean when I say quality time mm, and they yeah. are very much totally, uh, there's just such variety. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. We really found that they were very distinct and people did have you know, different preferences. So emotional could be quite a bunch, quite a bit higher than intellectual and activity might not be there at all. So it is important to split them out because if you just say quality time and it includes everything, you know, being with your partner, listening to your partner, being attentive to your partner, um, you're not really going to tease out those differences that we found really are important. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's really beautiful that you guys are getting us closer to really discovering what works. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that you guys got so detailed. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun because when you do look at the data in that way, it allows you to check your own biases. <laughs> That's the great thing about doing this empirically is that you just have to follow where the numbers take you and you're not putting in your own eyes. Right. And, and that is just, I mean, from, I love how we do some quantitative and some qualitative research, both where sometimes you're looking at numbers and then sometimes you're asking, I love how you did that qualitatively where you were asking specific questions mm -hmm. because that helped to develop the test. And then when mm -hmm. I'm on my end, really talking to people through Instagram DMS, uh, a lot of times when I put up the question, who wants more sexual activity in your marriage, I hear from a lot of very frustrated women mm -hmm. more than I hear from mm -hmm. males. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really nice that you're saying, gosh, it really does close to average out. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's great to just be able to check your biases in that way and really look at what people are telling you and rather than sort of trying to shoehorn everyone into these <laughs> preconceived notions that you might have. Uh-huh. So true. And also if you do get Molly's deeper dive uh, and, and choose to get the report, you can talk with your spouse about, Hey, this is how I'm loving you right now. What do you think about this? Because sometimes we love just exactly the ways we want to be loved, but I didn't, when I looked at my report, I was loving Wes in different ways. And I, I liked that because I definitely knew he doesn't want to receive it the exact same way with me, but it also gave us a starting point for conversation to say, Absolutely. like, is this what you really do want? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important if you are in a relationship to take it with your partner and have that dialogue. Taking it yourself is great and it, it will take your understanding to the next level, but it doesn't get you to the taking action point the way it does if you are taking it with your partner and, and kind of having that dialogue. So we do have a special to let your listeners know. So if you take your 
report and purchase the upgraded report, you'll get a coupon to have your partner take it for free. So that's just to encourage everyone to take that next step and connect with their partner on it. Oh my gosh. So it's a buy one, get one. It is. And that's through the end of the month. It will show. So once you've purchased your upgraded okay. report, you'll see yeah. that code page and you can send that to your partner and they can take it for free. And oh then my you gosh. Can have that fantastic discussion and <laughs> figure out where you're meeting and where you're missing each other. <laughs> okay. That is literally perfect. And it, it's always my worry that listeners are just going to take a little bit of what we say. And we all do that sometimes, but, but I really just want to hone in on that, that Molly said, make sure that you don't just lean in and listen for information, but that you're actually taking it out. Your call to action is to use it together. And, mm-hmm. and I love that you have this special together so that they can do that. And it, it's not like Enneagram is a bad thing. It's just, it can be so deep and it can actually be so personal, even though this is an Enneagram and marriage podcast, and I'm always bringing in marriage research from all over, even outside of Enneagram, Enneagram can be so individualized that you can really lose the relationship. If you're just like, all I'm working on are my vices and virtues. So mm-hmm. I really love that you came to spend time with us today to help us to remember to be more relational. Yeah. And that's a nice break. I'm sure from all that really <laughs> deep work of the Enneagram, because the love styles are so actionable and you can sit down with your partner and say, okay, this is what this assessment is saying. How does that feel for you? And that may bring up just a really easy thing you can do for them. That's going to really hit home for them. They may say, you know, what I love is when you give me a big long hug, as soon as you get home and that mm-hmm. takes less than a minute and it fills your partner's love tank. And you know, it makes your relationship better, but it's so easy. So as opposed to the Enneagram where you're sort of <laughs> digging up all this stuff and it's really complex, um, you know, take a break with the love styles, get an easy assignment. Oh my gosh. Yes. I need to do that with my students and I'm training this round too, because I mean, I'm just going so deep with them and they're probably like, mm. what? So it's so beautiful <laughs> to pair it with like practicality. Like exactly. we're doing our best. We want to go deep. And I know you want to go deep as a four. And I know I love what's around the next bend. I always want to know what is underneath it all. But, but at the end of the day, a lot of times our spouses just want to be loved practically. And to be honest, a lot of the time, so do we. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And this is such a great tool to just put a name on that and put, you know, put those words on what you need and help you kind of bring that to the surface. Oh my gosh. I love it. Thank you so much for introducing us to the seven love styles today, Molly, and for all the incredible work you and your team are doing. Well, thank you for having me. It's so great to talk to somebody who's kind of in the trenches working with couples and hear how it kind of lands with you and how it resonates with you. Yes, it's been already great. And I'm expecting even more feedback. So please guys tell us how you like it. We take all that into consideration when we're dreaming things up. So you can hear this is a real person behind Trudy and she's <laughs> doing incredible things, but she needs your feedback. So take the task. Yes. And then it's going to be in the show notes. So we'll make sure we link it there for you guys too. But thank you so much, Molly, for coming. Thank you for having me, Krista. It was really fun to talk to you as usual. You too. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. So take the test with us and I will be doing some surveying on Instagram this week and I'll share it with Molly too about what types are getting what I've already had some of you trickle in and tell me that, Hey, I'm a four and I scored emotional or my spouse is a five and they scored intellectual. So I want to hear what you guys are scoring. And I really hope most of all that you have a wonderful week. So take a, take a look, use the love styles code and check out our deep dive episodes. They're largely 
completely uncut and raw. So bloopers included just for free. And I hope you guys have such a wonderful day and we just love living intentionally with you. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramInMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.